right, good morning, family. Hey, if you guys are thankful for our worship team, let's give God some glory for their gift and their talent. Man, whoo. I'm telling you, there's a lot of Sundays when we get done with worship, I'm just like, I just want to get and be like, all right, see y'all later. Have a good day. Go on home now. We don't need anything else, but it's good to see you guys this morning. I know we've got some visitors in the house. I'm so glad that you're here with us. My name's James. I'm the pastor here and Man, I, was, I, was, I posted something about it yesterday, but I was just reflecting yesterday. And it's either this weekend, maybe it might, might have been next weekend, but it's either this week or next weekend. Uh, makes five years that Cody and I first came here to Cabot and started pastoring this campus. And I just want to tell you how thankful I am, how grateful we are as a family um, that God has allowed us to be here and uh, to be a part of the community here. And to be a small part of what God's doing in every one of your lives, man, we're just so grateful for that. Thank you, guys. Thank you for being faithful. Thanks for your grace and your patience with us and just supporting us. And Here's to 20 more, right? Amen. Uh, this morning, we're going to be back in the year of the Bible. And uh, how many of y'all have been enjoying the year of the Bible? Come on, if, if you've enjoyed it. Some of you are like, I don't want to clap because I'm not sure if I'm really caught up. That's okay. Uh, I get that, but um, hey, I will say this. Maybe you're new around here, you didn't know what I'm talking about. We made the decision at the beginning of the year. Pastor Rick just came to us as a church and said, hey, I believe that God's leading us to read the whole Bible together as a church. And, uh, and so we've been doing that. We went through the one-year reading plan, and, and it's been awesome, man. We, we only have three weeks left. Three weeks left. I mean, I'm like a goal guy, so like when I'm checking off those days now, I'm like, yeah, yeah, like we're getting close. It's awesome, but... Maybe you got behind or maybe you never even started. That's okay. This is what I would encourage you to do. Finish this year strong, close to the word of God. With everything in your heart. Uh, don't wait till the new year to set the resolution. Maybe this year I'm going to finally get in the word of God. Man, I, I'd encourage you, start now and let it be a catalyst that's going to drive you into the new year. Amen? This morning we're going to be in the book of Jonah. And uh, when I say Jonah, what do you guys think of? Okay, exactly. I'm glad we're all on the same page, all right? I say, Jonah, you say, well, even though that's not even right. But uh, we'll get to that here in a little bit. Uh, maybe when I say the story of Jonah, you remember felt boards back in Sunday school. Come on, how many of y'all had the felt boards back in Sunday school? The whale came along, and they put the guy up there, ate him, and all that. And, uh, or maybe you think about the VeggieTale movie, okay? Maybe you think about that. Or, or maybe you think about going to Branson and getting sprayed at the garden hose at the Jonah show up there in Branson. Or I don't know what you think of. Uh, but this is about a guy who God asked him to do something, and he decided he wanted to do his own thing. He wasn't going to be obedient, so God sent a big well, swallowed him. He was in the belly of the well. He lit a fire, smoke filled it. The well sneezed him out on the shore, and he lived the rest of his life as a real boy. No, that's Pinocchio. But, uh, but, but it, you can get be confused about that because it's similar. And this is the reason why I say it that way, because a lot of times when we think about the story of Noah, we can get wrapped up in the wow of the story, like just everything that happened, but this is not fiction. This is a true story. This really, really happened. But I think it's a lot more than just this crazy story about a guy getting eaten by a fish. It's, it's a lot more about who we are in God and what God asks us to do and our response to what God asks us to do and whether or not we choose to be obedient to that. And so I think it's important that we break this down Let's start in Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. This is, this is what it says. The word of the Lord. Everybody say the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, 
Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Okay, so this is a very, very clear order. This is a very clear commandment. But then we see Jonah's response. But Jonah ran away from God. Everybody say, oh no. And headed to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard, sailed for Tarshish, which to me sounds like what it would sound like if you're trying to say starfish with a mouthful of peanut butter, Tarshish, to flee from the Lord. So Jonah on the run. Now here's the deal. A lot of people who study scripture call Jonah the reluctant prophet. But the word reluctant suggests that there was a lot of times that Jonah was obedient. But in this case, he's completely disobedient. Not even close. And he is getting ready to make a decision that's going to negatively impact his life. God has called him Jonah, and that name actually means dove. Anytime you see the word dove or a symbol of a dove or an actual dove, it means a messenger of peace. So even Jonah's name is proclaimed by God that he is a messenger of peace. And he is calling Jonah to be this messenger of peace and hope to the city of Nineveh. He's called Jonah great enough, mighty enough, that he could go and impact this city of probably hundreds of thousands of people. But in and of himself and in his own ability, Jonah is weak, he's scared, and he is running away from God. What does it say came to Jonah? It says the word of the Lord came to Jonah. The good news is the word of the Lord can come to you this morning too. You know, God is a speaking God. Whew, I'm so thankful for that. He is a speaking God. He spoke with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day as they walked around the Garden of Eden. Throughout history, he's spoken to prophets. In our day and age, he speaks through his Holy Spirit. But if you want to hear the voice of God for your life, it's really simple. All you have to do is open yourself up to the word, his word. If you'll open yourself up to that, I really believe that God's going to speak to you this morning. And I believe that there's something in this that's going to relate to every single person. We need his word. His word is alive. And John says that in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. It's always been alive, though. It says that it's like a double-edged sword that cuts through to the marrow of a man's bones and separates his flesh from his spirit. We need that in our lives. His piercing word. It will transform your life. Now, sometimes when the word of God shows up in your life, it may show you something that you need to work on. And, and it's something that he's asking you to be obedient to. But it's at that point that you get to decide if you're going to be obedient or if you're going to do what Jonah did and try to run away from what God is asking you to do. But here's the thing. God will never force you to do it. He's never going to force you to do it. The way God works is he's going to give you the commandment and then he's going to back off and see if you'll be obedient. The question is, are you going to be obedient or not? Sometimes when God is trying to get our attention, God will often ask us to do something that we don't want to do. When God's asking us to do something, sometimes he's going to ask us to do something that we don't want to do. And the reason why we don't want to do it is because a lot of times we think that we know better. We try to convince ourselves that somehow we got smart enough, we had enough experience, we had something that happened that enabled us to have a greater knowledge and understanding than the creator of the universe has. And in 2016, it's been like the craziest year of people feeling like they know all the answers. 
I mean, 2016 has been the year of everybody let everybody else know exactly what they think about everything that's going on, no matter if they think it's really right or wrong. Do you know what the new word for the year is that just got put into the dictionary? It's the word post-truth. Post-truth. The definition of it circles around the, the idea that somebody could so passionately believe in something in their life that it becomes truth for them, regardless of whether or not it is actually truth. That is the world that we are living in. And 2016 was crazy full of this. Of just people feeling like they needed to tell everybody how they felt about everything. This has been the year of picketing and protests. Oh my goodness. Like everybody protests and everything. Because, and, and the thing is, all these people that get out there and they may not even know why they're at the rally. They're just there because they feel like, man, somebody needs to hear my opinion. So they're holding up signs like this. Like they don't even know why they're there. They just thought there was going to be some pastries there or something like that. They're there. They don't even like being there. There's lots of people that are just surrounding these guys. This guy's, he's kind of, a, I'm a fan of him because it's funny to make fun of people like that, that like Nickelback, because nobody's like that. But then there's people that do know some truth, like they understand a little bit of what's happening in life and the best way to live it. But these people are out here and they're all just there because they feel like their opinion matters more than anything else. And I think this can happen in some of our lives, too. <laughs> that was a good one, too. We get to that place where we're like, man, I, I got to tell some people what I think about this. What's the best way to do it? Oh, the Facebooks. Let's go there. And they go there, and they just want everybody to know exactly what they think about everything. It's like the world needs to know. No, they don't. Like, we don't need to hear everything. But this is ingrained in us that we think that we know better. And this really gets in the way of God's plan for our life. We think that our opinion somehow matters even more than his. This is what is so important, I think, for us to understand. As a church, this church must be known much more for what we are for than what we are against. And I would encourage you to spend a lot more time posting about who you're for and who you love and how thankful you are than spending any amount of time posting about everything that you're against and what you disagree with. And let God deal with people's hearts. Why? Because Jesus said in John 13, 35, by this, everyone will know you're my disciples. How? If you post every kind of negative comment you can on social media? No, it says by how you love one another. If you're worried about defending the cause of Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ, stop worrying about defending him. He can defend himself. Just start loving each other and they will see him through you and you won't have to say a word. But trust him with it. Because he's faithful like that. But this is the command because sometimes the command, it is confrontational. And sometimes it is uncomfortable. Jonah says, or God says to Jonah, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it. Now, the reason why I call it the great city is because it was a huge city. A lot of people think that there might have been up to 400,000 people in the city, which at that time was a huge city. Now, that must have been incredibly daunting. I mean, you can understand why that would be a little bit scary. Like, oh, you want me by myself to go and preach to and against 
400,000 people. That's a little scary. That's a little daunting. But you know the other reason why I called it a great city? Because God always sees the potential of where we can be instead of exactly where we are. You see, God saw a potential in Nineveh that Jonah didn't see. We'll talk about the reason why Jonah didn't see it, but God saw something in that city that nobody saw. He saw 400,000 souls and an opportunity for them to know truth. I want to take a survey. How many of you guys in here from Austin? Austin, not Texas, but live in Austin, live in Austin. Okay, a few Austin. Okay, how many of you guys live in BB? Any BB? Okay, a few BB. Okay, how many Valonia? Valonia? Okay, a couple of you. Okay, how many live in Jacksonville? Jacksonville? Okay, how many of you guys live in Sherwood? Sherwood folks? Okay, okay, how many of you guys live in Cabot? Okay. I'm glad we put the church in the right spot. Uh, this is the point. When you raised your hand, you declared the city that you're called to. No, you don't just live there. God saw potential in the place that you live. And he brought people like you to it. Because you have a job to do there. Because you have a purpose there. It's not just where you sleep. It's not just where you shop. It's not just where your kids go to school. God is calling you to those people. He chose you because he sees potential in the place that you're in. Why didn't Jonah want to go to Nineveh? Well, if you understand the history, Nineveh was the capital of Syria. The Assyrians were brutal. Evil, evil, evil people. Brutal in in war. When they would come into a village or a city, they would just destroy the whole place. It was so bad that at points, if a village or a city heard that the Assyrians were coming, the entire city would just kill themselves rather than face what this army was going to do to them. In many cases, they would take and skin the men alive, and while they were still alive, they would bury them up to their necks outside of the cities as a warning not to mess with the Assyrian army. These were bad, bad dudes. And what we learn later on is that God was calling Jonah to Nineveh because God wanted to forgive Nineveh. And that was just way too much for Jonah to swallow. There's no telling. Maybe Jonah, the reason why he had such a hard time is maybe one of his family members was killed by these people. Maybe he saw firsthand the brutality of this kingdom. But I think all that being considered, we should probably cut him a little bit of slack and give him a little bit of grace as to the reasons why he didn't want to go. Because in his mind, these were all very legitimate reasons. Israel hated Nineveh, hated them. Like how some of you feel about LSU, but it was like actually warranted hate. Like there was actually real reasons Why they hated him. Maybe you can relate to having someone in your life that has hurt you, that has caused you pain. Maybe as a Christian, you don't use as strong of a word to say that you hate them, but really in your heart, that's the truth. And you think, okay, I get it. God is asking me to do something, but I don't want to do it. And God says, look, you've got to forgive them the way that I've forgiven you. 
look at it and say, heck no, God. I know in my own life this is the issue that I have. The issue I have is that when somebody has hurt me from my past, if I forgive them, it lets them off the hook. And if I see God's justice in their life, then I'll forgive them because I'm like, finally, you got yours. Now I can forgive you. No. Your timing of God's conviction and punishment in somebody's life is up to him, not you. What's up to you is your obedience to forgive them. And sometimes that's one of the most difficult things that we can be obedient to. Maybe it's around the subject of giving. God has told us, he, and we can read it in his word. He says, be generous. Give cheerfully. He talks about the tithe. He talks about bringing it as an act of obedience. But in your mind, you're like trying to dodge this thing and, and justify every different reason. Like, well, I, oh, I think tithing's more Old Testament and blah, 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 blah. And no, I, I can't. And the truth is, you like stuff. I likey stuffy. And it sounds ridiculous, but when you have a heart that's not willing to be generous and, and to give, you wind up sounding like the seagulls on Finding Nemo. You know what I'm talking about? Mine, 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 mine. And you wind up sounding that ridiculous because none of it's yours. It was all God's. It's all God's anyway. And out of a heart of thankfulness, He's commanding us, give. He's asking us, do it cheerfully. Could we be a people of supernatural generosity? We would if we were obedient. Maybe it's in a relationship with someone. You're dating somebody right now, and you just, you're just convinced that they're the one. But the word says, iron sharpens iron. And everybody around you and everyone that loves you and everybody cares about you is like, uh-uh, this is not sharpening you. This is not good for you. This is not the right person in your life. And you're sitting there thinking, oh, but don't I deserve somebody? He wears brute body spray. He just smells so good. I don't want to give him up. But it's headed for a train wreck. You have to be obedient. If you don't, you're going to wind up wanting to sit down for counseling with a pastor because you did not obey God telling you, get away from that relationship. We have to be obedient. And maybe you're sitting here saying, I know I'm actually pretty obedient. Yeah. Like, I, I, don't, I don't think I've ever really stiff-armed God in anything. Okay. Maybe your issue, though, is maybe it's different. Maybe you read the word and and as you're reading the word of God, you're just like, hmm. God tells you to do something. And you're just, oh, that is so good. Hmm. You know what, God? I'm just going to marinate in that for a little bit. I'm just going to give that a little bit of time. I, I feel like you might be telling me, but I'm just going to, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to stick a pin in that and I'm going to come back to it later. I'm just going to allow, I'm just going to, I'm just going to allow, hmm. It's just so good, Lord. I'm going to wait to be obedient on this. But what we have to remember, and anybody that raises kids, this is one of the most important things that you can understand, that really delayed obedience is still disobedience. Slow obedience is no obedience. That's the way we say it in our house. And you can see this. You can see this with people raising kids. You ever seen somebody count when their kids are doing something? 
I don't want you to raise your hand. I'm not picking on you if this is the way you handle things. But you've been like, like Walmart and little Jimmy decided he's going to climb up on top of the Coke machine. And his mom's out there, oh, Jimmy, you need to get down. You need, you bet, one, two, and everybody around, lady, just get the kid off of there and spank his butts right now. Three, and he just kind of slowly comes down. There you go. Four, you don't even know what number you're counting to. You're just going to keep counting until you get whatever you want. Here's the problem, though. At some point, that counting is going to catch up to him. Jimmy, don't play on the interstate. Jimmy, Jimmy, you get off the interstate right now. One, two, oh, no. Grease spot. It was Jimmy's fault. I counted. But some of us do that when it comes to the things that God has asked us to do. We're counting. <laughs> if God tells you to do something, it's for a reason. He's asked us to be obedient. We don't ever want to be a church of maybe I will, maybe I won't type Christians. You just stretch out obedience. Aren't you so thankful that when Pastor Rick drove through Arkansas 16 years ago and he asked him to stop at a family's house and pray with them. Aren't you glad that Pastor Rick didn't say, maybe next time around, God. Maybe we'll, I'll, I'll make a plan to kind of swing back around to Arkansas sometime. Aren't you so thankful that he was obedient in the moment to stop? Because if he didn't, none of us would be sitting here right now. It wouldn't have happened. And I'll tell you something else. My wife does not like the sound of the North Dakota that God sees. It's not quite as appealing to her because she doesn't like the cold. So I'm really, really thankful that Pastor Rick was obedient when God told him to do something. That's what God is asking us to do. Jonah says, I don't want to go there. Whenever God speaks to us, we can always find a ship sailing in the opposite direction. Jonah 1.3. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard, sailed to Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Why did he want to sail to Tarshish? Well, Tarshish was 2,500 miles in the opposite direction of where God had asked him to go. Most theologians would say that it would take up to a year for him to travel that distance. Man, that is a lot of running. And some of you can relate to that. Because right now as you're sitting in your chair, you're sitting next to somebody, and as far as they know, you have them convinced that you are right where God wants you to be. But in your heart, you know that you have been running away from God. And maybe you've been running away for a really long time, away from what he asked you to do. And maybe that's weeks, maybe that's months, but maybe it's years. But you had made the decision that you were running away from God. You could be sitting here right now, and in your heart, you know that you are nowhere close to where you used to be in your relationship with God. And it happens so easily. I, I think what usually happens is, is you drift away from him. I've heard it said that it's a little bit like hydroplaning away from God. It's like the wheels are moving, and you think you're in control. But you are drifting, completely out of control away from the things of God. 
And I don't know what, what it was that caused that to happen in your life, but I know what, what usually the pattern is. It's like, oh, something came up and I had to miss church one Sunday and then something else unexpected happened. And so I missed two Sundays and then I had a scheduling conflict. So I missed life group. I missed out on that. And then I missed another one. And before you know it, it's been a while since I sat down to get in the word. It's been a while since I've actually talked to somebody, a brother or sister in Christ. that's going to challenge me, encourage me, exhort me towards the things of God. And before you know it, you feel like you're a million miles away from God. And by the way, this can happen to pastors too, because it happens in my life. There are times when I am doing the things of God and doing the work of God and it gets to a place where I haven't had a real conversation with God in weeks. It's almost like you can get to a place where the only kind of conversation you get with God is, a, is like a texting conversation with someone else. But a texting conversation is only going to be information. A texting conversation is never going to be real intimacy. It's never going to be a real conversation. But that's what happens sometimes in my life. I get to a place where I'm so busy. The only conversation I'm really having is not really sitting down and spending time with God. And we can drift to these places in our lives. And one day... You say to yourself, how in the world did I get so far from God? How did I get to this place? It's not that you're really running from him. It's just that you drifted away from him. And that's when God may use or send a storm to get your attention. Verse 4, then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea. And such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. And the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to try to lighten the ship. They were taking on water, so they're trying to lighten the ship so that it, it doesn't sink. Isn't this interesting? So they start looking around trying to figure out, man, who ticked off the gods? And they're all crying out to their own gods. <laughs> And in that moment, that's when Jonah, sitting awkwardly, like that's one of those moments when you don't want to make eye contact with anybody. Like, what is going on? What? Who ticked off the gods? And Jonah's like sitting over there like, I don't know what's going on. It's kind of like you're on a road trip. The windows are up. There's five people in the car. You're driving. Oh. So you look in the rearview mirror, you just got to look for that one kid with a smirk on his face, <laughs> pretending like he's sleeping. Somebody did it. And in that moment, this is when Jonah decides that he's finally going to make claim of who he believes in. And this is what he says. I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. The storm hits him, almost tears the ship apart, and this is when he decides to bring up the God talk. It's a little bit like when somebody receives an award, like at a, a music awards or something like that. I don't want to call out anybody specifically, but Kanye West, and, and he won the award, and he didn't win the award, so he's calling out somebody that did win the award because he's upset that he won the award, but if he won the award, he gets up behind the podium and he says, I just want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And everybody's thinking, man, I don't think he had anything to do with this. Because everything about you doesn't align with who he is. 
And from generation to generation, this is one of the most dangerous things that's happened, is people that claim that they know God who don't act like it around everyone else, and then when they finally decide to claim him, they've already destroyed their witness. They've already been living away from him. Look, the word of God lines out very clear principles of how we should live. We have to live according to the character of Christ because at one point or another, if we don't, and all of a sudden we're in the storm and we're around people that don't know the Lord, and then all of a sudden we want to claim to be a Christian, look, that is not going to help point them towards God. It hurts your witness. And that's what he's doing in this place. And a lot of us, we think, well, as long as God is doing good things for me, then I'll go to church every once in a while. That's okay. I'll do that or you know, hopefully I'll get to heaven as long as I don't have to do anything that really shows that I'm different than the world. The storm, this huge storm hits, and, and Jonah knows it's his fault. And some of us right now, you can rec- you're recognizing this struggle in your life, even though you don't see it clearly, because, because Jonah's thinking, no, this just affects me. My running away from God just affects me. But let's look at this next verse. Jonah 1.12, pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that this is my fault and that this great storm has come upon you. What you don't realize is you're running away from God. It may not right now, but eventually it doesn't just affect you. It affects everyone around you. It affects the people that you love too. So the sailor's like, okay, fine, sorry, dude, you're out, you gone. They throw him over. And the minute they throw him over, he's in the sea, the sea is calm. Then something unthinkable happens. If you know the story, he gets swallowed by a big fish. Now, a lot of people say Jonah and the whale, but in the original language, it says fish. But I don't really care. Well, fish, it's nasty. I don't want to be in the belly, in the dark, of a sea creature for any amount of time. Okay, but he is in this place. Can you imagine? I mean, Anybody claustrophobic in here? Okay. (laughs) Okay, it's dark, tight space, cold, wet, smells like fish. That is hell. Like, that is not a good place. For three days and three nights. For three days and three nights. Verse 17 says, Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Jonah actually describes it like it being like hell. This is how bad it was. But here's the thing that you have to know. We grow the most when we're most uncomfortable. And God knows that. When we're the most frustrated, when it's the most difficult, when we're the most unsure that we can't make it, that's when we grow the most. But the promise is in Hebrews 13, 5, that I'll never let you down. I'll never walk away and leave you. But he never promises that it's going to be comfortable for you. Ever. Ever. And I know we have the cute magnets that we put on our refrigerator, you know, the footprints in the sand. And I look behind me, and there was one set of footprints. And I realized that he was carrying me all along. Photoshop Jesus, white teeth descending into the clouds. But a lot of times, God is going to allow us to go through what feels like hell on earth and make us really uncomfortable if it brings us back to his will and to his presence. He loves us enough. He'll allow those things to happen. Jonah's worst nightmare was exactly what he needed. Jonah's worst nightmare was exactly what he needed. 
This verse says that God provided this huge fish to swallow Jonah. I guarantee you, when Jonah saw this big fish coming his way, he wasn't like, praise the Lord, he sent a fish to eat me. I'm so thankful. No, he didn't see it as provision, but it was. God was providing for him. He was providing for him. Some of you, you're facing your worst nightmare right now. You're heading towards a divorce or something financially. You just don't know if you can even make, make it through it. God may be saying, okay, now that I have your attention, and now what I am not saying is that God causes these things to happen in your life. But God doesn't cause all those things to happen, and the devil doesn't cause all those things to happen, but they both have something in common. They both want to use what happens in your life. Both of them want to use it. You get to choose who gets to use it. God can use it. And he promises that in Romans 8.28. And we know that all things work to get to, for good for those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. God is using this. You see in this story, God sent a, a storm to rock the boat. He sent a fish to swallow Jonah. Before all that, though, he called Jonah to a city of Nineveh. But here's the thing. I don't think that God called Jonah to go to Nineveh to fix Nineveh. I think God intended to use Nineveh to fix Jonah because his heart wasn't in the right place. And that's an encouragement to you. Look, you don't have to worry and fret about the details of how God wants to use you, where he wants to use you. But what you do have to do is be obedient to what he's asked you to do right now, right here, right today. Faith is now. And whatever he's asked you to do, you just stay close to obedience with him and he'll take care of the details. He'll, he'll take care of your Nineveh. He'll take care of the people that are there. He'll take care of your fear. He'll take care of your insecurity. You just have to be obedient to the season that he's called you into. And if you'll do that, he'll have your back. And that's what he's trying to do in Jonah. Why didn't they call it the book of Jonah? Or why did they call it the book of Jonah? Why didn't they call it the book of Nineveh? Because that's really what it was all about. It's because this whole story is about God working on Jonah. It was about fixing his heart. It was about putting him in a place where he would be obedient. If you know the rest of the story, God used this giant fish, his worst nightmare, as a literal vehicle to get him back to where he needed to be. To get him to that place. He goes to Nineveh, he preaches. It says the entire city repented. And still God was still working on Jonah. Still, Jonah still wasn't in the right place. The question is, are you gonna be obedient? There's so many times in my life that I'm going through a situation and I think that I'm there to fix the situation and really God is using the situation to fix me. I have to admit that there was a little bit of me when we moved to cabin and we're like, you know, on a mission. Like, man, we're going to go in. We're just going to, we're going to change that city. The reality is you've changed us. God's changed us. There were some things inside of me that I needed desperately to be changed. The perspective of people and the lost that I wouldn't have gotten unless God brought me. I'm so thankful by his grace that we are able to be obedient. And I just want to tell you, you'll never regret obedience towards God. The question is, where are you right now? Are you in a place of obedience? You'll know it. You have peace and rest. Not everything's going to be perfect around you, but you have peace. 
you will have rest? Or do you know in your heart that you're drifting and you've been drifting? Or do you know in your heart that you've always run away from God? You've never been close to him. Well, let's just search our hearts and see what God wants us to do. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads all over this room. If you're here today, you know that you're in that place. You, you have, you've drifted away from God. You haven't been obedient to him. And maybe it's time to return to him. You need to rededicate your life to him this morning. Get right with him again. Or maybe, maybe you just always run away from God. You've never been near him. And it's time for you to come back to him this morning. It's time for you to take your place as his son or daughter. If you're here today and you would, you'd be willing and be bold enough to admit that you need Jesus, you need to come to God, you're tired of doing it on your own, you're tired of doing it your own way, and you're ready to make him your Lord, to be obedient to his call and plan and purpose. If that's you, would you please put your hand up in this place right now, all over this room. As soon as I see your hand, you can put it down. Got it, you guys. Thank you, ladies. Thanks. Yes, 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 yes. Anybody else? I just need to get right with God today. Thanks, man. Yes, sir. Thanks. Got you guys. Thank you. Yes, sir. I just need to get right with God. I've been drifting. I've been disobedient. I need to come to Jesus this morning. Got it. Thanks, guys. Okay. Yes, sir. Anybody else? I just need to get right with Jesus. Yes, sir. Anybody else? I just need to get right with Jesus today. I'm away from him. Thanks. Got it. Just one more second. I feel like somebody's wrestling with this decision. Yes. Don't wrestle. Thanks, man. God's going to honor that. His grace is on you right now for responding. Anybody else? raise your hands. I want, I want these folks to be able to, to be confident, to be bold in this decision. So I want everybody to repeat this prayer. And I want you to repeat it with some confidence. Put some voice behind it because somebody around you may be praying this for the very first time. And it's so important to them that they're able to say this with confidence. So every head bowed, every eye closed, just repeat after me. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. I ask for your forgiveness. I make you my Lord right now. I submit my life to you. Forgive me, God, of my sin and save me. I want to live for you. I want to live according to your word. I want to be led by your spirit. I want to be connected to the body of Christ. And I want to be obedient to you in big and small ways for the rest of my life. Thank you for your grace that'll help me do that. God, I thank you for that. Thank you for your word. Thank you for helping us and encouraging us, God. God, I thank you for every person that is able to reconnect with you right now in this moment. 
We love being a part of your kingdom. We love being a part of your purpose and plan. There's nothing more fulfilling and exciting, God, than your kingdom. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of it. We just want to glorify you with everything that we have in the place and to the people that you've called us to be in. To you be the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's give God a hand. We had a bunch of people getting saved this morning.